Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a relationship expert, executive consultant, and life management coach. Cynthia Hyatt uses her 30 years of experience as a licensed psychotherapist to now offer in-office or concierge services through executive life coaching, consulting, and image management in order to help you be your own best version. Cynthia also specializes in speaking to groups worldwide about how to be successful in relationships, as well as artfully handling life's challenges. She has had many opportunities to present numerous educational seminars and lectures on a variety of motivational, inspirational, and mental health topics around the world. Please take a moment to visit her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's Cynthia, H-I-E-T-T.com. Her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated for current events, updates, and inspiration during your week, as well as all social media platforms. You can hear this show as a podcast on iTunes and many other podcast services. Follow her on Facebook and Instagram. Now, with today's fresh insight, here's Cynthia Hyatt. Well, good afternoon. Thank you for joining me today. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and I really appreciate that you are listening and taking time to really become the best version of you, the one that God truly intended for you to be. And so I really appreciate all of you that have been listening for years. I found out the other day I have over 500 podcasts. That's a long time. I didn't even realize. I mean, it's amazing to me. So I really appreciate you listening and telling your friends about it. We also have lots of things on the website for you to take advantage of. We have study guides that correspond with the radio uh, program. And so you can do that as a group. You can do it individually. But it just kind of helps to really settle some of the information that you receive really into your soul, into your spirit, so that you can actually use it and walk it out. So today, I'm kind of excited because anyone that knows me knows how much I love to laugh. It is my most favorite thing to do. I love jokes. I don't like jokes on people, I have to tell you. I just like really clever jokes. And so today I thought, you know, why don't we, instead of doing like many of the other topics that we have been doing, do one that's kind of fun. So this is how humor transforms hard things. Now, I'm not going to be a stand-up comedian today and tell you a bunch of jokes. I might tell you a couple, but we're really wanting to talk about the gift of humor. Why would God give us the ability to laugh? Why is that so important? And so I'm sure you've heard the saying, laughter is the best medicine, right? Well, Proverbs 17.24 In the New Living Translation, it says, A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit saps a person's strength. So why would the Bible have so many references to joy, to being joyful? Think on these things. Whatever is pure, righteous, holy, think on these things. And this is where, if you've been listening to this show for any length of time, you know how much I talk about how words change your brain. And that you need to be careful with what you think, what you think on, and how long you think it, and how much you're going to believe your own thoughts. And so I remind people 
You know, that bringing laughter into sessions with my clients, I do that regularly because laughing is such a great way to reset your psyche and just just your overall bodily functions. Laughter helps so much to do some healing that we don't even realize it's doing. It's similar to the old adage by, you know, I think it was Mary Poppins. She says, just a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. Well, that's what mirth, laughter, enjoyment, you know, clever things really helps our life to just look a little brighter. And it also affects our physicality. And this is why it's so important that we use humor. And I teach, you know, people to laugh at themselves and enjoy their own idiosyncrasies and See, laughter is the greatest natural pain reliever that we have. And when we laugh at ourselves, we also become more accepting of ourselves and of others. So laughter, you know, helps to maybe normalize otherwise embarrassing, weird, or uncomfortable situations. It's the great evener outer, right? We can kind of laugh with anybody for the most part. So it helps us to calm down and to not take life so seriously. See, we tend to make everything of equal importance, and I remind clients of this regularly. I I say to them, are you doing this horizontally or are you doing it vertically? And usually we want to gauge, measure, judge things vertically, which means that there's a top and a bottom. So where are we ranking different interactions that we've had, different experiences that we have, jobs that we have to do, um, injuries that we've incurred, either emotional or physical, you know, where do we rank them? Because if we do it horizontally, we end up making every single moment of equal value, which means that if someone steps in front of me in the grocery store line, I take that as seriously as I do someone that's holding a gun to my head. And so when we're doing the world horizontally, we are making everything have equal value. And all these experiences and all these responsibilities, all these choices, you know, all these hopes and dreams that we have are not of equal value. So we want to make sure that we are not making everything of equal value and that they all weigh the same. So the person that cuts me off on the highway is just as bad as Charles Manson. That would be if I'm doing my life only horizontally. So laughter is also the greatest natural pain reliever that we have. Because like we said, when when we laugh at ourselves, we're more accepting of us and of others. And that laughter really helps to normalize, you know, embarrassing, weird, uncomfortable situations. Like I said, it's the great evener outer. It helps us to calm down, to not take life so seriously. And, and really think about this, because we tend to make everything of equal importance. And so, you know, if, if I have gained five pounds, that means that I should stay home because I'm too ugly and I can't fit into my clothing and so my day is going to suck. Okay, th- this is what we have a tendency to do when we are following our emotions. And, and I say to clients frequently, you know, you're, you're following your emotions. You're following your feelings. You're not determining the path. You're just following wherever that feeling takes you. 
So when we do this, we want to really practice majoring in the majors and not in the minors. We don't want to snag on normal human tendencies and idiosyncrasies. See, what laughter does is, is it offers us this reset. It helps us to be more accepting, and it gives us that ability to tolerate. So it, it helps to strengthen all, our tolerance muscle. So laughter is really, truly one of the most healing, powerful agents and connective agents that we, we are known. And so it levels the playing field. It helps us to get over shame and embarrassment. It allows us for a new dose of self-acceptance and acceptance of others. It moves us forward. Laughter is very unique in that if you've experienced laughter, like, I mean, we're talking belly laughing, right? That's the best. If you've experienced this with someone, the next time you see them, you begin to laugh again, don't you? Versus the experience of sharing pain and crying with someone. See, the next time you see that person, you go, oh, hi, how, how are you? And so the tone changes to that of regret, and there's a somber feeling to the moment. So let's talk about why we should take advantage of the healing effects of laughter. Well, you know I like to uh, study and I like to research things. And so here are some facts and insights from a Dr. Um, Belisse. And he shares a lot about the power of laughter. He, this is from Psychology Today, and he has researched this over many years. And what we find is that when something is perceived as funny, the reward center of the brain is activated. See, that's the same area that's activated during cocaine-induced highs. Isn't that just like God? That we, got, we have our own drug that's healthy for us. And that is laughter. So I'm not going to argue that laughing is more intense, you know, more intense high than cocaine. But the brain knows how to balance a natural high. You'll never hear someone say, the movie was so funny last night, I'm hung over from it, right? Laughter is a superior high on so many levels. It is so healing to our psyche, to our sympathetic nervous system, to our muscles, to our gut and our heart. And this is why we want to make sure that we practice it, that we take advantage of it. See, this doctor says that laughter superiority over drug highs is that drugs damage the reward center of the brain because it's forcing the brain to release dopamine. And dopamine based on the dose, the drug user, it, it's, it's giving it this amount of dopamine release during a natural high, it won't damage the brain. If someone's doing dopamine when it comes to narcotics, it's going to give them a wonderful high, but the after effects is damage. So this is why we, we really want to consider that laughter, what laughter does is reduce, releases those neurotransmitters called dopamine. And this serves as the reward for the brain. It creates a sense of euphoria, and it plays a pivotal role in our motivation to continue the behavior. You see, what happens when I have people in sessions, I may have to say some pretty difficult things to them. They might have to have some pretty difficult feelings that they don't want to feel. 
But when I include laughter into it, all of a sudden the entire experience changes. And they're able to tolerate some truths that they may not otherwise want to hear. And they're able to look at themselves in a much more pragmatic way than they would be able to if we were not using laughter and humor and acceptance that comes with laughter. So I want you to think about this. Think about why we would resist laughter. Join me in the next segment as we talk more about humor that transforms hard things for us. Welcome back. You're listening to Conversations with Cynthia, and I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. So I'm very thankful that you are joining me today and that you are encouraging your friends to listen to the shows as well. I like to do these because, you know, not all of us can afford psychotherapy, right? And not all of us can find someone that we really feel like we can connect with. And so a lot of these shows are, are available for you, not to, of course, take the place of therapy or seeing a psychiatrist, any of those things, but just kind of help you to think differently, to do some rewiring of your brain, to see life a little differently, to maybe understand your own worth, your own value, and to know how to actually enjoy the life that God has given you, even though many times we have tremendous amounts of pain in our lives. And so laughter is one of those things that is such a healing effect on the body and the brain and the soul, the spirit. And so I want people to always take advantage of laughing. And I do so much laughing in my sessions because it just is this great, like, you know, the the Mary Poppins, a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down, right? And so we just tolerate it better when we practice happiness as well. So this Dr. Bellace, I, I like um, a lot of what he shares. And when he shares about the power of laughter, he reminds us that the reward center of the brain is activated. And the same area that's activated during cocaine-induced highs. So think about that. That God has given us a natural drug to help us tolerate how painful life can be sometimes. And, and this is why laughter is superior over all drug highs in that the drugs damage the reward center of the brain by forcing the brain to release dopamine based on the dose the drug user is giving. And so what happens is that there's never enough. So we need to continue to try to get a more dopamine high. And that dopamine, those, those receptor sites get tired out, but not when it's natural laughter. And so what we find is that laughter releases the neurotransmitter dopamine, which serves as the reward for the brain. It tells the brain you did a right thing. And so it gives us a sense of euphoria. And it helps us to motivate and be motivated ourselves to continue to do good behaviors that give us that dopamine. So the benefits of laughter like we said, are improved immune functioning. There's, it's stress relieving. 
It increases our tolerance for pain. It improves our cardiovascular health, and it reduces anxiety, which then gives us an overall improved mood. So we want to be careful about really giving into negativity. And we've talked before about just that negativity is like gravity, you know, and we, we like to try to jump as high as we can. We're never going to really get off the ground. We can't fly. We can find things that help us get off the ground, but we're not able to stay at that place, at that high. So what we want to think about is this idea of laughter and really belly laughing really produces those hormones, those neurotransmitters in our body that cause us to immediately feel better. You know, nothing has really changed. Maybe we still lost our house. We still lost the car. Maybe we still broke up with our, the person that we really thought we were going to spend our life with. But for a moment and for a while, we get a little pain reliever. And it helps us to reset. It helps us to move forward. So I've talked before about how words can change your brain. And the book that I've read by, by the author, How Words Change Your Brain. And they've also done How God Can Change Your Brain. And so it has a lot to do with how we're thinking and how we're using that amazing brain that God has given us. So what I want you to think about when you are down, when you're feeling, I don't know, rejected, upset, you're not, I don't know, successful, you don't like yourself, I want you to find something to lift your mood. Not a substance. You don't even have to depend on a person. Watch a comedy. Read a joke book. I have joke books in my office and at my house because I just like to read them. They just make me laugh. And I love to laugh. And so share a funny story with yourself. Go share a funny story with a friend. Go see your favorite comedian. You know, maybe create your own comedy night with your own friends. Surround yourself with funny people. Encourage your friends and family to enjoy laughing because it, res it reduces your stress and it boosts your energy and it helps the healing process in your body. So this book, Words Can Change Your Brain, was done by two neuroscientists. And I want you to think about this this Bible verse that says, you know, a happy heart is good medicine and a joyful mind causes healing, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. And think about this one. Haven't you heard sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me? Actually, what we want to turn that into is sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can change my brain. Words can change my brain. In fact, the more laughter we have, the more loving we become, the stronger our relationships are, and the less aging we have to attend, contend with. This is what it does, is it actually causes us to be younger in heart. And it really does affect our body's immunity. So we are able to, to really confront things that we need to fix and we're able to better trust our own bodies. So let's look at this verse again in the Amplified Bible. This is Proverbs, and it says, A happy heart is good medicine, 
and a joyful mind causes healing. But a broken spirit dries up the bones. So don't you think it's important that God is actually telling us how he has made us? And that lighthearted laughter, banter with friends, watching comedies, anything that lifts your spirits, if you will allow yourself to be lifted, will really help to counteract how hard this world is, how painful this place is, how many problems that we may be contending with, physical problems, psychological problems, family problems, job problems, money problems, all these different types of things. When we will allow ourselves to not be pulled down, but to actually rise above and practice positivity. And I don't, I don't mean fake Pollyanna positivity because that, that doesn't work at all. But really understanding that when Dr. Newberg and Mark Waldman wrote this, their main thesis was a single word has the power to influence the expression of genes that regulate physical and emotional stress. Positive words such as peace and love alter the expression of genes, strengthening areas in the frontal lobes and promoting brain's cognitive functioning. The, the, and what happens is it propels the motivational centers of the brain into action and it builds resiliency. Well, this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk more about how humor transforms hard things. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Conversations with Cynthia. And we are talking today about how humor transforms hard things. And, you know, I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life where I have been so despondent or so hurt, you know, disappointed, kind of despairing, feeling just, you know, really badly. And so someone maybe have wanted to try to cheer me up and I resisted it. I'm like, you know, no, I'm not there. I'm not going there. I feel like, you know, crap. I am not going to be happy. Don't try to make me happy. And I've had to learn that that really isn't helping me. That's just me following my feelings. And so that doesn't mean that I have to artificially pretend to be happy, you know, Pollyanna kind of a thing. But I can take advantage of the way that God has structured my brain so that it can help me come out of that if I so choose. And so when we talk about this book, Words Can Change Your Brain, what they talk about is that a single word has the power to influence the expression of genes that regulate physical and emotional stress. Imagine that. When you think about the fact that God said he spoke the world into existence, that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. This is how powerful words are. So positive words such as peace and love can alter the expression of genes, strengthening areas in the, in the frontal lobes, promotes cognitive functioning, and it builds resiliency. That's where we left off in that last segment of the show, resiliency. 
See, this is important for us to live this life that we have been destined to live. We're going to need resiliency. And so your ability to bounce back, your ability to come back, has everything to do with how you think, how you're interpreting a situation, how much you're going to take in negativity. And so hostile language can disrupt specific genes that play a part in the production of neurochemicals that help protect us from stress. See, humans are hardwired to worry. Part of our primal brains protecting us from threats to our survival is this, this need to worry. So our thoughts generally and naturally go to worry first. However, a single negative word can increase the activity in the amygdala. And you know we've talked about the amygdala. That's in the center of the brain. And it releases, releases dozens of stress-producing hormones and neurotransmitters, which in turn interrupts our brain's functioning. Now, the functioning that it interrupts is usually logic, reason, and language. So that's why when we get our feelings hurt, right, we lose logic. When, we're, when our feelings are hurt, when we're, we're offended, we don't reason well. And what happens to our language, <laughs> right? What words do we choose? So angry words send alarm messages through the brain, and they partially shut down the logic and reasoning centers and in the frontal, that are located in the prefrontal lobes. And so this is why we want to think about if I'm holding a positive and optimistic word in my mind, I stimulate the frontal lobe activity. And this area includes specifically the language centers that connect us directly to the motor cortex, which is responsible for moving you into action. Now, doesn't that make sense to you? That if I am using positivity and optimism, and I'm being careful about how I think, I'm going to be more, more able to connect with the, the cortex part of my brain, that motor cortex that is responsible for moving me into action. If I don't, I'm going to become more lethargic, more negative, more afraid, more easily hurt and wounded, I'm going to begin to think of all the negative things and prove to myself how bad my life is. And so what they have found is that the longer you concentrate on positive words, the more you begin to affect other areas of the brain. And this begins to change the perception you have of yourself and the people you interact with. So this is why happy people have a tendency to just like people better. doesn't mean they like everything they do. It doesn't mean they want to marry them. It just simply means they have more tolerance for weird people or for inappropriate people or trying types of people. Now, this also helps with yourself. If you view yourself with a bias, which is seeing the good in others, if you are willing to see the good in yourself, then what happens is you are less apt to be suspicious and doubtful. And this is why when we look at this and we dive into this, we recognize the amazing way that God created us and that we have what we need inside of ourselves. So join me in the next segment as we talk more about how humor 
can transform hard things. Well, welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and so appreciate you joining in today and listening and telling your friends about the show as well. I, I really want you to be able to take advantage of just the information that, that we are wanting to give you. Because, you know, things can be quite costly in our world today. And it's interesting that God has created within us this ability to find happiness. And it has so much to do with our psychology, the neurological parts of our body and our brain, how we are hardwired to respond, and that we have control over some of this. And one of the ways that we can control the inner world inside of ourselves, which helps us create a better world outside ourselves, is understanding how we think and the power that words have. And if we go back to the beginning of whenever that was that God created all of this, he spoke everything into existence. He said, let there be light. Right? And this is why we have to recognize that what we speak many times begins to also reflect in who we are. What we speak ends up being what we do. And so when we look at this idea about positivity and negativity, we understand the brain is very, very sensitive to negativity. See, that hostile language can disrupt very specific genes that play a part in the production of neurochemicals that are trying to protect us from stress. See, humans are hardwired to worry. And that comes from a part of our primal brain that's protecting us from threats to our survival. So our thoughts naturally go first to what's wrong, what's bad, what's scary, what's painful. And so we kind of have to recognize that, hey, I need to stay out of survival. Do I really need to be in survival? Because survival is very hard on your body and your brain. It creates a tremendous amount of stress. So we want to be able to say to ourselves when we first start to feel fearful, worried, nervous, upset, afraid, we have to say to ourselves, wait a minute, I'm going to be careful not to think on that. I'm going to wait and see if those words are justified. Because I I don't know about you, but I've had all kinds of negative thoughts before an event or somebody I'm going to meet or worried that an interaction with someone's not going to go well. And I walk away from it going, why did I worry about all of that? It was fine. It worked, it worked out great. And so this is why we want to remember that a single negative word can increase the activity in our amygdala, and this is the fear center of the brain. So what happens is it starts to go into protection mode, and it releases, releases dozens of stress-producing hormones and neurotransmitters. And this interrupts our brain's functioning, especially in regards to logic and reason. So angry words send alarming messages to the brain, and it partially shuts down the logic and reasoning centers that are located in the prefrontal lobes of of our brain. And this is why we want to be very careful what we think on. 
how long we think about it. And so for these two, you know, psychologists, psychiatrists, what they figured out, this is Newberg and Waldman, I love these guys. They have another book called How God Changes Your Brain, and they've studied the way that the brain reacts to thinking about God. So anyways, so by holding a positive and an optimistic word in your mind, you actually stimulate frontal lobe activity. So your brain gets stronger and is better able to help you move into action. And so the research has shown that concentrating on positive words begins to affect other areas of the brain. And so it begins to change the parietal lobe, which changes your perception of yourself and the people you interact with. So the more positively I think about myself and another person, the easier it's going to be to enjoy them. If I go at it locked and loaded, like I'm prepared for the worst, well, I actually will bring a lot of that on myself. And so a positive view of yourself will bias you towards seeing the good in others. Whereas a negative self-image with suspicion and doubt oftentimes will cause you to only see the bad in others. So let's think of this. What are some intentional actions we can do to choose happiness? And this is why it's so important because when we are interacting with other humans and, you know, unfortunately or fortunately, I'm not sure, humans need humans. We just need humans. And this is one of the reasons why people will tolerate very bad people. Many times in my office, I have the hardest time getting people to leave relationships that are actually damaging their physical body. And this is why we want to be very careful about understanding the hardwiring of, of who we are. And you've heard me say many times on these shows, you don't four-wheel drive a Ferrari, right? <laughs> well, you're like a Ferrari. So you need to be careful with what you're putting into your heart, your mind, and your soul. Because it's going to affect the way you are able to respond or react in the outside world. So when people become held hostage to their own circumstances and they don't seek happiness in other people or possessions, then what happens is we start to believe all of our own thoughts. And we, we begin to think that the world is a terrible place. We begin to think that we're a terrible person or that we're ugly or dumb and nobody's ever going to want us, that will never amount to anything. So we have to understand that we need to stop chasing the world's definition of happiness. We need to begin to see decisions to experience happiness, <clears throat> excuse me, as that this is how we can really form and develop that track in our life as to where we want to land, where we want to get to. And so this is a great saying by Abraham Lincoln. He says, most people are about as happy as they make up their minds to be. Now, that was a long time ago. I mean, he was not a neuroscientist. But what great insight is that? He says, most people are about as happy as they make up their minds to be. This is why we have this wonderful book, Happiness is a Choice, right? So we want to think about this 
So how do we choose happiness today? How do we do this? Well, first and foremost, we want to embrace one new action item. I don't want you to practice all of them or, or try to do everything, right? I want you to think about what's one thing that I could do. And now I'm going to give you that right off the bat. First and foremost, it's to be diligent about the way you think and to not be a sloppy, lazy thinker, okay? That you want to catch yourself when you criticize somebody, like you're driving down the road, you see someone and you don't like what they're wearing and you think to yourself, what an idiot. So you want to say to yourself, even though that person doesn't know I'm thinking that about them, I know I'm thinking it. And it is going to then release a bunch of neurotransmitters and stress hormones to tolerate that negativity. So I need to be careful with my own mental hygiene. So what, we, what is one of the biggest things that you could do to choose happiness? Well, first and foremost, count your blessings. See, how many people choose to focus on the positive aspects of life rather than the negative? It seems like we would typically, it just seems logical to think we would focus on positivity because it feels good. But the negative stuff is what gets the most attention. And it's kind of like the rock in your shoe, right? Your whole entire body feels great, but you've got a rock in your shoe, which ruins everything. So this is why we need to be careful that we set our minds to specifically be grateful. See, when we express that, what we end up doing is we discover there are always, always things to be grateful for. All of a sudden, we flip from being upside down to right side up. How about this? Carry a smile. See, first of all, a smile is a wonderful beautifier. But more than that, studies indicate that making an emotional-filled face carries influence over the feelings processed by the brain. So our facial expressions influence our brain in the same way our brains influence our face. So in other words, you can actually program yourself to experience happiness by choosing to smile. Not to mention that, you know, smiles are a lot prettier to look at, right? How about this? You speak daily affirmations into your life. And I don't mean silly ones. But I mean affirmations that are saying positive things to yourself like, hey, I have another day. I have another chance to keep working at being the best version of myself. And we need to have those I am statements. Not, I hope I can be a better person, but I am becoming a better person. I am a loving person. I am a creative person. I am a person that wants to get better. I'm a forgiving person. Any of these types of things, put that right into your brain and your brain begins to find a way to help you walk that out. How about this? We want to really be careful about complaining. And the next time you want to lash out, you know, in verbal complaints towards someone or yourself or a situation, just really work on humbly keeping it to yourself. And you'll likely diffuse an unhealthy, unhappy environment. But more than that, you're going to experience joy by choosing peace in a difficult situation. Now, I'm not talking about situations that are abusive. 
That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about this natural tendency to go to the lowest point. So we're kind of hardwired to be negative. <laughs> it doesn't sound right, but it is true. So we're fighting gravity to not just always be negative. So we're going to be careful about what we say and what we believe. And so I want you to practice life-improving disciplines. That helps personal growth. And I don't want you to try to do all of what we talked about today. But I want you to think about what are your strengths? What are your natural talents? Everybody has them. Everybody has strengths. Everybody has abilities. And when we use them effectively, we actually feel alive and comfortable in our own skin. And it helps us find joy, our, our happiness, and, and being who we really are. So I want you to embrace your strengths. I want you to choose to operate with giftedness every day. And I want you to make sure that every day you accomplish one important task. You know, I don't know about you, but I'm one of those people that have, I start making lists and it becomes like, I don't know, five pages of things I should do. Instead of just saying, wait a minute, I'm going to do one thing today. And if I get that thing done, I'll do the next thing. But I'm going to rejoice and be happy and excited about the one thing that I really did. How about this one? This is very important for your brain, very important for your heart, very important for your gut. You eat, you eat healthy meals and snacks. And this is tough. It's tough for us to really take care of our physical self. But I also want you to treat others well. You will like yourself so much more if you use politeness. And if you treat other people well, not because you think they deserve it or not, you're treating them well because they're humans. And God loves his humans. So I'm so glad that you joined me today. And I want you to make sure that you take advantage of the things that we have on, on the website and that you really practice knowing these things. So I so appreciate you listening today and have a great rest of your week. We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. The messages and teachings shared during the show are given as a way to reach you, the listener, with ideas and insights on how you may not only improve your life, but have more successful and meaningful relationships as you become the best version of you. Cynthia is available as a keynote speaker or guest speaker for your corporate or spiritual events. Cynthia is able to customize a message for any audience attending a meeting, retreat, or conference. In addition to this, she oftentimes partners her messages with music as she is a singer and musician. Please contact her through her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can download the most current show from her website at CynthiaHyatt.com or hear a replay on your favorite podcast server. Please take a moment to visit her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated and leave your ideas and comments about today's show. Now, be your own best version.